Good evening, everyone. If you don't know me, my name is Venice. Welcome to church. As you would have heard, we're starting a new series called Christmas in July. I hope you're excited. I hope you're ready. I sure am ready. I'm wearing my Christmas socks today. Santa with surfboard. No. Yeah, surfboards. But also, I didn't even realize this, but a beloved member of our church, a brother of mine, approached me today and said, Venice, your sweater looks like a Christmas tree. So if that helps you get ready for Christmas too, that works too. But I hope you're excited. (laughs) Now, before we begin, I've got to be honest with you. I'm uh, I'm a a bit of a Grinch, all right? So uh, during normal Christmas time, I don't particularly love Christmas, right? And don't get me wrong, I mean, I love me some carols. I love me, you know getting the Christmas tree up. I love me some Michael Buble, Mariah Carey. And of course, I love presents. Who doesn't love presents? But I just hate how in the busyness and the f- of the festivities and the commercialization of this holiday, sometimes the true meaning of Christmas can get lost. That's why we're doing this series this, this, this month. We're going to take the beauty of the message of Christmas in isolation because it's a treasure that should be savored. Tim Keller has a really good quote. He says, If Christmas is right, everything else about Christianity makes sense. But if it's wrong, then everything else falls apart. Now you often hear that at Easter time about the resurrection, But how true is it also of Christmas? And so this this new series, Christmas in July, we're going to be looking at some of our favorite classic carols. We're going to dig deep into God's Word as we look at the momentous event of Christ's birth and what it means for us in our lives even today. Now tonight's talk is going to be loosely based on the verse and chorus of O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. And the verse and chorus goes something like this. O come, O come, Emmanuel, and ransom captive Israel that mourns in lonely exile here until the Son of God appear. Rejoice, rejoice. Emmanuel shall come to thee, O Israel. I wonder how many people actually realize what they sing when they sing those words. How beautiful are those words? Now, this carol was apparently written originally in Latin over 1,200 years ago, or 9th century. Now, that's uh, according to the very famous and credible Professor Wikipedia, uh, which was then translated to English in the 1860s. And this song is one of my favorites. And in it, the singer refers to someone called Emmanuel, which is actually a reference to Isaiah 7, verse 14, or the passage that Cassie so wonderfully read for us, Matthew 1, specifically verse 23, which says that the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. God with us. So by referring to Emmanuel, 
This thing is actually desperately longing for Jesus, the Son of God, for God himself to come and to save them. And despite its minor key, he's called to rejoice in the certainty that one day he will appear. So that brings us to our big idea for tonight. I'm going to give it to you straight up. The story of Christmas is that God came down as Jesus to be with his people and to save us from exile. Let me say that again. The story of Christmas is that God came down as Jesus to be with his people and to save us from exile. Before we get into it, will you pray with me? Father, we just thank you so much for who you are and we rejoice in your son, Jesus, for who he is, um, whom you sent for us, Lord, and all that he does for us. Father, I pray, Lord, that um, you speak tonight um, through your word. We pray this in your name. Amen. Is that better? All right. Awesome. Okay. Well, I want to start with a question tonight, which is why do we even need Christmas? Why do we even need Christmas? Now, some of my mates in our world would probably say that they're desperate for a holiday or for they're, they're desperate for some time with family. Maybe they're just desperate for another reason to get some presents, right? Because birthdays aren't enough. Even Christians might have some pretty wacky ideas. Maybe God was just lonely in heaven. Or maybe God was just curious as to what his creation was like or what it, what it feels like to have a physical body. I don't know, but what was the actual reason? Why do we need Christmas? Well, part one, the need for Christmas. I have one word, exile. By exile, I mean two types of exile. The first kind is a physical exile. Because the Israelites were in exile and in slavery to their oppressors. Let me just read O come, O come, Emmanuel's first verse again. It says, O come, O come, Emmanuel, and ransom captive Israel that mourns in lonely exile here until the Son of God appears. See, the singer is referring to Israel who are captive in exile. And you see, oppression is actually a really common theme throughout the Old Testament, right? The Israelites were surrounded by battles, with conflict, with persecution. When they entered the promised land, they had to fight battle after battle in order to win and conquer their land. And ever since, they actually had to fight battle after battle in order to protect their land. But ultimately, because of their own sinfulness, they themselves were conquered. Both the northern and southern kingdoms of Israel were conquered and were put in exile by the Assyrians and the Babylonians. Now, the Webster, the Merriam-Webster Dictionary defines exile as the state or period of forced absence from one's country or home. And so the Israelites themselves were in a literal and physical exile where they were forcefully ripped out from their land and taken into the land of their oppressors, where they were brutally treated and they were crying out for God to save them. 
But not only were the Israelites in a physical exile, they were in a different, even worse exile, which was their spiritual exile. In fact, we as humanity, each and every one of us, are spiritual exiles. And this is all because of sin. Now, I don't want to pretend, I don't want to assume anything today. Maybe you don't know what sin means. I just want to break it down for you. Essentially, sin is rejection of God and His ways. We all reject God. We all try to do life our own way. And so we all face the consequences of this, which is that sin separates us from the presence of God. Sin separates us from the presence of God. Now, in order to really understand this, we've got to take our minds back to the very beginning, the very beginning of the Bible and the very beginning of our known world, which is the Garden of Eden. You see, in Genesis 1 and 2, mankind physically dwelt with God. Isn't that kind of crazy? Imagine God was living in your house. Because that's how it was in the Garden of Eden. But as many of us know, in Genesis 3, it all goes wrong. Because the serpent gets into the heads of Adam and Eve, and they choose to reject God's one and only command. And thereby they sinned. And it says in Genesis 3 verse 8 that they actually tried to hide themselves out of shame from the presence of God. And ultimately, God banished them from the garden. Because of their sin, there is now a divide between God and mankind. Their beautiful and intimate relationship has been fractured. And it's all because while God's presence was available and was with them in the garden, they rejected Him. Their sin caused a separation between themselves and with God. And we do the same thing. Isaiah the prophet actually writes about the separation in Isaiah 59. He says, but your iniquities have made a separation between you and God. And your sins have hidden his face from you so that he does not hear. See, our sin has caused a separation between us and God. Instead of just being people of God, we really should be people with God. But because of our sin, we've been exiled. We're all spiritual exiles, cast off from our homeland. That's why Peter says and refers to God's people as the scattered exiles at the start of his letter in 1 Peter. And that's why Paul says that we're not citizens of the earth, we're citizens of heaven in Philippians 3. Because heaven is our true home. Mankind was originally meant to be in the presence of our God. But because of our sin and our rejection of God, we have been exiled. So why do we need Christmas? It's because of our sin. That we are spiritual exiles desperately in need of a solution. Desperate for a way to return back into the presence of God. Now, interestingly enough, despite the Israelites' exile, God was still very much present with them throughout the Old Testament. And that's really God's grace, 
right? If you remember Exodus chapter 3, God appears before Moses as a burning bush. Later, God was, God's presence was with them when they escaped Egypt, and he guided them through the wilderness as a pillar of smoke and of fire. Later in Exodus, God commands them to construct what's called the tabernacle, which is essentially like a portable tent in which God dwelt within. And finally, in, during the time of King Solomon, the first temple of God was built, where God, again, physically dwelt within. See, throughout the Old Testament, God's presence was with the Israelites, but there was a problem in that his presence was limited in three different ways. One, his presence was only temporary. Right? In order to be in the presence of God, you had to be made right with God. And to do that, you had to sacrifice animals. But we know that in Hebrews 10 verse 4, it says that it is impossible for the blood of animals to permanently take away sins. So it was temporary. Second, his presence was exclusive. Only the high priest could enter the presence of God on behalf of the people. So regular Joes like me and you, we couldn't have a direct and personal relationship with God. And finally, his presence was confined. You couldn't take God's presence out of his specified location. If you, had to, if you wanted to meet God, you had to meet him in his place. You couldn't just take him along with you. So God's presence was limited in that it was temporary, it was exclusive, and it was confined. And the people of God were still ultimately exiled from him. And so why do we need Christmas? Well, for the Israelites, they had physical exile where they were in oppression and slavery, and they were crying out to God. But even worse than that, we all as human beings are spiritual exiles, cast off from the presence of God because of our sin, and we need a solution. So that was part one, the need for Christmas. But here's where the Israelites' hope was. Part two, the promise of Christmas. So if you think about it, God had no real reason to help human beings, right? He had every right to just leave them bathing in their own sin. It wasn't his fault that our relationship was fractured. It isn't on him that there was a separation between us and him. Yet, yet God chose not to abandon his people. Instead, he actually promised to help them in their suffering. And what do we know of God? We know that he is faithful. He is faithful to every word he says, every promise he gives. And he promised his people that he would send a representative to save them, to rescue them from their oppression. And this representative was whom the, the Jews referred to as the Messiah, the anointed one. Now, there are over 300 prophecies of the Messiah in the Old Testament. In fact, some people say there's over 400. Others say there's over 500. Either way, the Bible is chockers packed with prophecies about this Messiah. And to summarize, God promised that this Messiah would be three things. One, God promised that this Messiah would be their Savior. 
with the power to save them from their exile. If we go back to Matthew chapter 1, verse 21, the angel of God says to Joseph that Mary will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sin. That's why Jesus came, to save me and you from our sin and ultimately from our spiritual exile, to be to bring us near to him. Secondly, not only was the Messiah to be their savior, he was to be their warrior. That he was to be he was to defeat their enemies, that they were no longer to be oppressed and to be exiled because their oppressors would be defeated by God's mighty warrior. One of the prophecies that refer to this is Psalm 2. In this psalm, God is laughing at the kings of the earth who seek to oppose him. And he mentions his king, who he actually refers to as his son, who will have the nations as his inheritance and will rule with an iron rod. God then says to the kings of the earth, Therefore, you kings, be wise. Be warned, you rulers of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear and celebrate his rule with trembling. Kiss his son or he will be angry and your way will lead to your destruction. God promises a king, his son, who will be a warrior, who will defeat any enemy that doesn't, st- that doesn't submit to anyone who rejects the son. And so that gives them hope in their oppression, that they don't need to fear their oppressors because one day God will bring a king who will defeat them all. Finally, the Messiah won't just be their savior and their warrior. The Messiah will be their king. You see that in Psalm 2. Let's have a quick look at a classic Christmas passage, Isaiah chapter 9, which we looked at a few weeks ago. From verse 6. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Get this, of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing it and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. See, God's king will have a rule that is an everlasting rule. And a kingdom that is an everlasting kingdom, his reign will have no end. Doesn't that just give the Israelites hope? In their oppression, in their exile, in their slavery, that one day, God's representative will come and he will rule the world. They don't have to fear. And so God's promise gave them hope in their oppression. They were crying out to God with eager expectation and hope, knowing that their tears from their lonely exile will soon come to an end. They trusted in the faithfulness of their God and rejoiced in his promise. And their hope was what kept them through the darkness. 
a hope for a future of restoration and of peace. So, so far we've talked about the need for Christmas, which is our spiritual exile. That because of our sin, we've been cast off from the presence of God. We've talked about God's promise of a Messiah, of a Savior, of a ruler, of a king, of a warrior who will redeem them and save them from their exile. But here comes the big plot twist of Christmas, right? Not only does God provide the solution to our need, He is the solution. Let me say that again. Not only does God provide the solution to our need, He actually is the solution. You see, God is the representative. He didn't send someone else to save us. He chose to send Himself. Part three, the God of Christmas. You see, Jesus is God. And this is a crucial part of what Christmas is all about. God himself came into this earth to save us. He is fully God. This reminds me of a student that I work with at uni. Um, As many of you know, I, I work in student ministry at uni. And there's this guy who I regularly see who's a pretty strict atheist. He believes in Jesus as a teacher and as a prophet and as an apocalypticist. I don't know if I said that right, but someone who warns against future judgment. But he rejects the notion that Jesus is God. So he's actually missed the crucial part of what Christmas is all about. See, Colossians 1.15 says that the Son is the image of the invisible God. Paul continues in verse 19, and he says that God was pleased to have all of his fullness dwelt in him. In Hebrews 1, it says that the Son is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being. Similarly, in 2 Corinthians verse, um, chapter 4, it says that God's glory is displayed in the face of Jesus. And that's probably why Jesus says to Thomas in John 14, that anyone who sees me sees the Father. See, Jesus is God. He is fully God. And as God, he has the power to save us from exile. Jesus is fully God and has the power to save us from exile. Now, isn't it kind of crazy that God didn't just send someone else? but he sent himself. If you imagine a king, a king has many royal subjects and subordinates under him who work in service to him, and often the king doesn't get involved in the dirty work, right? He sends his messengers and his heralds to deliver his news. He sends soldiers in the context of a battle. He sends ambassadors to foreign lands. Only when it's a really important duty will the king consider going himself? And see, God didn't just send an angel. He didn't just send a herald or a messenger. God chose to come himself for our sake and ultimately to die for our sake, to set us free. Because the message of Christmas is that God came down as Jesus to be with his people and to save us from exile. Now let's go back to Jesus' name, Emmanuel. Right? Emmanuel means God with us. 
And we see that in the book of John, where John starts off his gospel like this. He says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, right? The Word here, he's referring to Jesus. And he continues in verse 14. He says, the Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. God became flesh and actually lived among us. See, God is not just for us. He is so for us that he actually chose to become, to be with us. God chose to be with us. To be with us. To be with us. Us, us as human beings who constantly reject him, who constantly go against him, who constantly turn our backs on him who constantly fracture our relationship with him. God chose to come and be the ransom for us. He chose to be our solution. He chose not to abandon his people, but to be with them and to save them. God chose to be with us despite it all. Because God is not only for us, but he is so for us that he chose to be with us. Because the story of Christmas is that God came down as Jesus to be with his people and to save us from exile. So tonight we've talked about the need of Christmas, both for the Israelites in their physical exile and us as humanity in our spiritual exile with sin. We've talked about the promise of Christmas, the promise that God was going to send a representative, his Messiah, who will redeem them and save them from their oppression. But we learn that that representative was God himself. Jesus, who was fully God, came to this earth with the power to save us. He loved us too much to abandon us. And in him, we can receive his presence. Right? You see, while earlier I compared, um, I talked about God's presence in the Old Testament. I told you that God's presence in the Old Testament was temporary, but now God's presence in us as believers is permanent because we no longer have to rely on the sacrifice of animals because we can rely on his sacrifice. While God's presence in the Old Testament was exclusive to the high priests, it is now available to anyone, anyone who calls on his name. And it's no longer confined to a particular location because God gives us his spirit who is with us wherever we go. So through Christmas, God himself came down as Jesus and gave us a way out of our exile. That is the message of Christmas. To close, why don't the band come up? And I'm just going to finish with three quick application points for us tonight. Number one, receive Jesus. If you haven't already, receive Jesus. Because of our sin, our relationship with God became fractured. But God himself made the first move in our reconciliation by coming to us. Right? He didn't wait for us to come to him. He came to us. And so all we have to do is to receive him, It's to accept him. So if that's you today, if you haven't accepted Jesus, if you don't, haven't been in his presence and received his love and his grace, 
I invite you today to receive him into your heart. Number two, rejoice in Jesus. The singer in O Come, O Come, Emmanuel says, Rejoice, rejoice, for Emmanuel shall come to be with us. But you know what? We're in, we're in 2021. Jesus has come. Jesus has conquered the grave. We can rejoice in what Jesus has already done for us. So I want to encourage you, whatever you're going through, we always have joy because of what Jesus has done for us. And finally, yearn for Jesus' return. So Israel's cry in the first century was for the Messiah's first appearance. But we can cry out for his second appearance. When Jesus finally comes back to earth, when he brings his kingdom, when, he, when we sit under his rule in a kingdom of no more pain, of no more sorrow, of no more sickness, but a land of joy. Are you yearning for his return? the message of Christmas, once again, is that God came as Jesus to be with us and to save us from exile. And so we can rejoice in this beautiful story that God came to be with us. Why don't you stand to your feet? We're going to respond by praising our God, our beautiful, wonderful, powerful God for all that he does for us. So I'll, uh, I'll give it a if, if you want any prayer, if you want to talk to someone, we'll be here. We'd love to talk to you. Let's praise our God.